Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and let's praise Him. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. And I'll ask you to join me in the book of Revelation chapter 19. We'll be reading verses 11 through 13. As Brother Toby already stated, we are in the series Victorious, and this morning we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19, 11 through 13, the Bible says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. In verse 13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We spent the last few weeks, previous few weeks, this month exploring major conflicts or battles in the word of God. We've talked about David's triumph and his triumphant victory over the beast Goliath. We've talked about Joshua's miraculous victory over the Amorite kings. And last week we spoke about Jehoshaphat's praise-filled victory over the Moabites. And so this morning we culminate and we bring our study into the book where all things culminate, and that is the book of Revelation at the Battle of Armageddon. The book of Revelation is known as the Apocalypse. We know this as the opening line contains the title, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation means and proves throughout the book that it is an unveiling or a disclosure of what once was otherwise a mystery. The book depicts those things which were at that present time, messages for churches at that present time, and they depict those things which are to come and were to come. And so we have the benefit of the book in the book of books. We have the benefit now, as others didn't, to show us those things which shall be. I'm not certain that how much time that it took. I'm not aware, aware of the time that it took. Perhaps maybe it was minutes, maybe more realistically hours, days, or even weeks. I don't like the fact that he suffered the pain and the agony that it took. I'm not at all happy that he found himself in a desolate place, unaccompanied by friends 
and or family. But I am thankful that he was in the spirit. And I'm thankful that he was there on the Lord's day. Others had been in prison. Others had been tortured and maimed and even killed and martyred for their faith. And so he could have been jaded. He could have been disillusioned. And he could have been otherwise deeply discouraged. And I submit to you today, perhaps he may have been. I don't know and no one can be certain. Questions could have riddled his mind. The unknown future and what would become of his life could have been overwhelming. The legitimate concern could have marked his mind every day. Will I ever get off of this island? It could have deeply disturbed his sleep and it could have deeply disturbed his mental state. I don't know if those things happened. I don't know if he rhetorically asked those questions to himself or the air. But one thing I do know, I know that he was in the spirit and I know that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Physically, he found himself in a dire circumstance. Physically, he found himself in an unchangeable situation. But despite it all, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And so spiritually, he found himself in a position to receive the information that we need for the most important event in human history. Thank the Lord for a man named John. The Bible called him John the Beloved, and his closeness to Jesus in his ministry afforded him the opportunity to understand what others perhaps would never understand. It provided him a way to hear what others would never hear. And so that is no doubt in my mind what caused him and gave him the opportunity and the chance to receive a further revelation from the Lord. And so John is the recipient of the messages. He was chosen to relay those messages and to describe those things which he saw to the church. Somebody say, that's us with non-technical terms, yet very descriptive language and artistic depictions. John paints a vivid picture of what the end time will be. He sees the lamb slaughtered and slain. He hears voices and thundering, understanding that reveals timeless truth and voices that speak unfathomable things the human ear is not accustomed to hearing. His eyes behold beasts and horses with their riders as flames of fire and brimstone issue from them. And he sees the dichotomy of the end of this age with both the beauty of the saints and angels as they sing praises unto God alongside the violent struggle that unfolds in the earth and the destructive wrath of a deceiving dragon and his false prophet. John saw what Jesus spoke of. John beheld those days likened unto the days of Noah, wherein a coexistence of rumored wars and plagues and desolation live alongside the merriment of overindulgence and excess. He sees the deception. He sees the resistance of men, even though these things occur and they're, they're, they're overall and they're staunch 
uh, uh, push back against the repentance of their own idolatry and the work of their own hands. But him, John, amid all of what seems to be overwhelming and destructive, in the course to rule the earth as the beast, the false prophet, and the dragon seek to exact their systems, their edicts, and their ideologies on this earth, John sees a final battle and John becomes witness of what will become of everything that opposes the word of God. John sees the war to end all wars wherein the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ and he will reign forever. It's certainly beyond the subject of Many, 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 many movies. It's been the subject of a lot of literature, the end of the world. I mean, you can log on to any media you'd like, and you'll find something along those lines. Many have taken poetic license to adapt screenplays and novels to depict the destruction or the final destruction of this planet. Perhaps it's something in the heart of mankind. Perhaps it's something that is just deeply ingrained into him, that eternal planning of eternity within his soul that tells him that this cannot be, this must not be what and where we were made to be. That inherent desire within him, that 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 call to the eternal has caused mankind, however, to fantasize about the future. The result becomes this hodgepodge, if you will, this myriad of ideas and concepts and opinions that man has devised out of his own imagination. It is interesting, however, that if you ever, please, I don't, I don't suggest this, but if you were to ever watch one of these things or read one of these pieces of literature, there's always a central theme that finds itself woven throughout the make-believe in their medium. First, there's always a hero. And secondly, the hero always wins. Or at least the hope that the hero wins in the end exists in the storyline. But can I tell you something that you already know this morning? We don't have to hang our hopes in fantasy. We don't have to escape reality to the world of cinema or fictional literature to find us something to make us feel warm and fuzzy or even to inform us about what may be or what may come. We don't have to wonder. We can look right here in this book and we can find out what really happens. Let's talk about this book for a moment. It's not a book of fictional stories written to read for entertainment. It is not a book of allegorical references meant to be interpreted based on the reader's own intellectual opinion. It is not an anthology of fictional characters derived from the mind of man. But this is the inspired word of God. God and can I tell you this morning in it there is a hero and this hero always wins and his name is somebody say it Jesus there is a real battle not fictional 
It's not, it's not made up. It's not something to scare little kids into going to bed. But there is a real battle. There is a real event that is coming to this earth. It is prophesied, and it is the battle of Armageddon. And as Toby has already said this morning, Brother Toby has already mentioned, this subject is a very soft, people get kind of weird about it. It's a subject that has caused much debate, even in our Christian circles. Perhaps this is why. Perhaps it's because it also has the, fee, the, the potential to evoke feelings of what Brother Toby said of dread, some even fear. But here's the thing. We can't allow all the differing opinions, all the debates that have taken place from here that will take place from here until that day. We can't allow those myriad of feelings and opinions to get us off of the subject or to try to push us off of what's coming because it's coming. If the Bible says that it's going to occur, it will, it will occur and it will do it without discretion. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter if it makes us feel a certain way. If it says it will happen, it will Happen, And so it should be, it should be of concern. But even though it should be a subject of common concern and it should be a subject of individual concern, we know that we don't have to fear because we know where the story originated from and we know where the story ends. It's interesting to note, though, that most people believe in this world, even today, of some sort of catastrophic event, some, some sort of whatever. Some people believe in meteors and some people believe in, uh, you know, a disease that will wipe out the planet. There's somebody on this planet that believes that this is not the end. It's inherent in us. And so there's a lot of people that believe in some sort of catastrophic event, some some, some big thing that will end this whole earth, a final act that destroys the whole world. And so for this cause, there are some that hoard water. There's some that stole away food. There are even those that heap to themselves caches of supplies to help sustain them through this event that they believe is coming. Others build bunkers and underground structures and military stock, stock military-type grade weapons and artillery. And so I'm not here to preach against that. If you want to put some cornflakes back in the pantry and, and get you some guns and say, hey, that's up to you. But I just always give this advice. Food only lasts so long and you can only shoot two at a time. <laughs> so more than that, you're probably just wasting your money. But I've, I've, I've felt some pushback on that, so I'll, I'll move along. Some people do all kinds of sorts of things. Notwithstanding, I believe that what we are doing here, right here in this house, right now today, as we have gathered together to warm our hands and our hearts around the Word of God, is the most beneficial thing that anyone can ever do. It is eternal. 
and we are laying up treasures in heaven. We know his word is true. First, 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says all scripture. Not just a few. It's not a buffet line. I like that, but I'm going to leave that. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And so because of these, it, just these two things, we are powerless to stop or to thwart anything that has been prophesied in the Bible. And I'll go one step further than that. Because of just those two things, we are powerless to avoid anything that the word has said we should be subject to. But what we are not powerless against, what we are not flailing against, what we are not powerless in knowing is the understanding that it takes to know the times and the seasons in which we live and which these things will inevitably occur because we have the word. Not just one man has the word as he delivers it to the constituency, but we have the word of God. And in this word, we know that the end of this age the end of this world is inevitable. Wars and rumors of wars, plagues, pestilences plague our society just as Jesus said that they would. We are right in the middle of it. You don't even have to turn on a TV now. The Bible explicitly details a battle that will occur, that will usher in the end of this age. Now that shouldn't frighten us. That, that shouldn't scare us, even though it is a frightening thing to think about. We have to be encouraged because we can stand in the understanding to know that every battle that God has ever entered into, he has won them without fail. And this book says... The battle is already won. Revelation 16 and 16. And he gathered them together. This is the beginning of the battle of Armageddon. He gathered them together in a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath and so here we see the beginning of what will become the battle of Armageddon. Here is the pouring out of the seventh vial. It is the pouring out of God's wrath. It is familiar in its culminative nature 
as a similar event as we see in the seventh seal in Revelation 8 and the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11. It reveals and it demonstrates to us the parallel nature of events throughout the book rather than a chronological succession of information. It is the culmination, the seventh, the seventh, the seventh. It shows us the culmination of everything that this world will come to as the Antichrist spirit, his false religion, and an overabundance of humanistic secular government attempts to circumvent and fight against God and his saints. It reaches a boiling point and vengeance is exacted through and by the righteousness of God. But can I tell you something else that you already know this morning? To fight against God and to fight against what he has already said is to fight a losing battle. To go against anything that his word has already said, you're just, you're just spinning your wheels and you will accomplish nothing. You will not get anywhere fighting against the word of God. It is a losing battle. And so that has always made me question something. It's made me wonder about something. It's something that's always been sort of a mystery to me. Now, this won't blow your mind. It blew mine. It was a small explosion. But I've always wondered, how, how can Satan believe that he even has one chance? I mean, think about that for a moment. It's already written. <laughs> It's already settled. How can he think even for a moment that he has a chance at defeating God? Now here's what blew my mind. And it wasn't last night, so just... I figured it out. He's a deceiver that he himself is deceived. He's deceived himself into thinking that he can override the word of God. It began with his pride and he believed his own false statement. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will be like the most High, but the reality is found in 14 and 15 through 17 in the book of Isaiah. Yet thou, all this I stuff, he said, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world a, mist, a, a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. And so go ahead and say, I, 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 I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, you're going to do exactly what he said you're going to do. You're going to be brought down to the pit and they're going to look upon you. We are going to look upon him and say, is this really the man? Is this what we feared? Is this what made us tremble? Is this what made us back up off of what God had called us to be? This is the man? Yet despite that reality, he reads just like we read. 
<laughs> he evidently speaks all languages because he can move in, he can speak in Guadalajara and in, in the deserts of Africa in their language, and he can speak lies there, and he can speak lies here in English. So he's got to be able to read. But it's that deception that despite the reality is what will cause the kings of the east and those that vehemently oppose the word of God to believe that they somehow could conquer and rule this earth. It is the same deception and the same lie and the same questions that were introduced into the garden and it will be that same deception that we are subject here today in this earth and it will be that same deception that will get darker and grow more prevalent and get, hear me now, more confusing and grossly more prevalent than it ever has been in the coming days ahead. But I got good news from all of that and from all of that deception. My God has made a way of escape. He's made a way of escape with a plan that was already in place. The Bible says that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is Jesus Christ, God robed in flesh. He came into this world to die and through the shedding of his blood on the cross, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Hear me today through the through his death and through his burial and through his resurrection, hear me now, we have been offered protection from the deception. Through his blood and through his truth, we have been offered, it's been offered, the protection from the deception through his death. We have the opportunity to die out to our sins through repentance. In his burial, we are buried with him in baptism, in water, by immersion, in the name of Jesus Christ. And through his resurrection, we are offered eternal life through the infilling of his spirit that was prophesied by him, the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, which is the spirit of truth. Hear me now, Jesus prophesied it and he and he promised it. John 14 and 7, this is the protection. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you, John 15 and 26, but when he, the comforter, is come, whom I will send unto the unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me, John 16 and 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And so can I tell you this morning, we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to back up. We have no reason to step to the side, to the left, or to the right off of this truth because his spirit has provided that truth, and we know that it is true, and it will never fade With this plan 
this plan of salvation, this plan of protection, because with, with it applied to our lives, when we are actively living in alignment with his word, then and only then can we trust what John said, greater, greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. There's a lot of reports being said on this side and on that side. And they're just vying for your attention. And they're vying for your affection. And they're vying for your support. They're saying choose a side. They're saying believe a report. And get on that side. And then fight with that side. And argue for that side. But I'm not going to choose one of those sides. I'm going to choose to believe the report of the Lord. And I'm going to choose to choose his spirit which is the spirit of truth with his spirit we have the power to overcome and by his word the war is already decided we win here's why his word will never fail and he will never fail his word will never fail, and he will never fail. You cannot separate the word of God from God. First, or John 1 and 1, in the beginning, was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And this is what we love. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father hear me now full of grace and truth somebody say it truth the darkness could not consume the word then. It is powerless to consume the word now. And the darkness and the deception will have no power against the word in the future. It is by his word that the words worlds were formed. It was by his word that put everything into motion. And it will be his word that will still be standing when the kingdoms of this world are no more just like they were prophesied to be. Revelation 19. Quite a lengthy reading. Stay with me. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon him, with, uh, followed him upon with white horse, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and 
clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he, he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. If we drop down to verse 19, the Bible says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet. Now let me just stop here. I didn't skip anything from verse 19 to verse 20. I don't think. You saw the armies. They gathered together. The next thing out of his mouth, and the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. There's no explanation. From 19 to 20, I don't see it. There's no, there's no detail. There's no dialogue. You don't hear about the armies doing this and God's armies doing that. You don't hear about this back and forth, this ping pong match, this, 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 this contest. Because there is no contest. They gather together and they're simply thrown into the lake of fire. The beast, the one world government, all of these secular governments that are trying to come together as we speak in this earth are just going to be nothing but a flame of fire when they attempt to come against God and his armies because there is no contest. And the remnant were slain with the sword. Him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. And a great chain was in his hand. And he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years that is Isaiah prophesied. That's I will ascend. No, you'll be brought down. I will do this. No, you're going to do that. I will make myself above God. No, you're going to find yourself in a pit for a thousand years and you'll only come out when he lets you come out and it'll only be for a season and then you're going to the same place that the beast and the false prophet and all of those kings of the east went. It is by his word that the beast, the false prophet, the dragon, or ultimately all those who, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be judged. And hear me today. It is that word, that word that set everything into motion that will still be standing when this world is no more. It is that word that God has placed in our hands. It is that word that God has made available to us to use as a weapon. Paul wasn't kidding when he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and every imagination and everything that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God, the word can bring it 
down. It is what the, it is the word that Jesus used in the wilderness against Satan, and it will be that same word that will be his final judgment. God set the stage for the battle, and he already knows the outcome because it's already been decided. We're going to switch gears for here just for about hopefully five more minutes, four more minutes. Eight. Armageddon is an inevitable, inevitable event in the future that will soon be in the annals of history as the greatest victory ever wrought in the earth. That outcome has been determined. That victory has already been decided. But here... Here is something that has not been decided as of, as of yet. And it is something that can only be decided by you and me. And that is, will I be a part of that victory? Or will I become a casualty of carnality? Will I be involved in that victory? Or will I allow myself to become a victim of deception? Because the simple fact of the matter is this. There will be countless, numerous, multiple, a multitude of skirmishes that will occur daily in our lives until that day. And so for that cause, I cannot afford to be distracted, deceived, detoured or deterred before that great day prior to that final battle. I am going to face battles in my own life that will determine which side I stand on that day. Fortunately, God has given us access to everything that we need to overcome, but the choice has to be made by you and by me. He's given us access to everything that we need to overcome the enemy daily in our lives. But we must take the choice and make the choice to pursue it. God has given us the right to choose and God has given us the opportunity to choose rightly and so I know that I've gathered with some I, I perhaps believe that we've gathered together all that have made up their minds and will make it up again today that we are going to choose to be on God's side because he is the victor. I've made up in my mind today that I'm going to choose his way. I'm going to choose his word and I'm going to choose to be on his side. Not because he needs me but because I need him. Anything that is contrary to that will fade and it will falter under the weight of time and circumstance. Anything separate from the word of God will burn for eternity. Anything else will be absolute destruction because Jesus said heaven and earth shall pass away but his word, his word, his word will not pass away. His word 
will still be standing in victory when all else fails. And so today, I wonder if you'll stand with me and if you will lift up your hands and say, I will choose victory. I will choose to be on his side. I'm going to choose to trust God like David trusted God. And I'm going to stand in victory over my enemy sword in hand. I'm going to choose to believe God like Joshua believed God. And I'm going to experience the miraculous in my life. As God moves heaven and earth to fight for us, I'm going to choose to praise him right now in advance and seek him with my whole heart just like Jehoshaphat did and I'm going to watch my enemies flee before me and hear me today it's that kind of choice it's those choices that will ensure your victory now and it will place you in the army of God then I read it before I'm going to read it again I saw heaven opened behold a white horse And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in him righteousness, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called a word, the word of God. But hear it, and the armies, and the armies which were in heaven followed a him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean Paul said behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we will all be changed we shall be changed from mortal to immortal in the in the twinkling of an eye we'll be called up to meet him in the in the clouds of glory together and I believe that when that happens God will call us to a battle and he will call us into a war that has already been decided the armies in heaven are us armies of angels absolutely but also armies of the called the chosen and the faithful armies of those that did not choose wrongly to begin armies of saints and elders and saints gathered together white and clean an army that will follow him in to battle and hear me that is the keys to our individual success as we fight our daily battles and that is the key to our overall success as we fight that final battle on this earth and God avenges us of all the wrong and all the wrongdoing and takes us and makes us who he is and like him not above him not above him but with him. And so I end with this. The battle has always belonged to God. It's up to us to faithful follow him as he returns to bring about an everlasting victory that will never, ever end. One more time, let's lift up our hands. Let's magnify him. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.